we've only just had um, our chat with Anton uh, Spitalak. Um, go on, go on. Uh, with who? Sorry, Anton Anton Spitalak. Come on, Lucy Zelich. I reckon we called him Anton Spitzelak for um, for quite a long time, and it wasn't until I had him on a panel uh, as part of Stockade at um, the Games a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago. But I thought, have we been pronouncing it? Because this is the first time I think I've seen it spelled. Thanks to Cryer Malt. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me in the co-host chair this week from sunny, well, I'm assuming it's sunny Brisbane, uh, Matt Kierkegaard. Matt, what's the weather like up there? Oh, mate, it's, I've got a jumper on today. It's uh, about 23, 24 degrees. <laughs> Must be 23. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I only say that because my girls are, uh, are headed up there tomorrow. Um, so they'll be they'll be up in uh, up in Mooloolaba when uh, when this goes to air and i only say that because just the last couple of mornings um i'm a, I'm a massive fan of, of of melbourne autumn and winter but i say just the last couple of days um whether or not it's just the you know the the, the long couple of weeks of the indies and brewcon and gabs new zealand um and feeling a bit perhaps run down but i i've felt the cold like i hadn't i haven't in a long while um so good to hear that it's nice up there mate they're going to be uh, sunny they'll probably be swimming they will be. They will be, definitely be. Um, I, I don't think I will be, but I'll, um, I, I did look up the, the weather in Los Angeles. You Boston, are heading off. You're New York a, and Rhode a, Island. Not, not that I'm name dropping places. <laughs> yeah, all high twenties, low thirty. So I just got to double check that that's not Fahrenheit. But no, I'm looking forward to it. You'll keep the seat warm for me while I'm away. I absolutely will. I'm uh, going to be calling in some special guests. We'll try and make do while you're gone. Thanks for that. Don't do too well though. It's rule number one. Don't stuff it up, but don't be better than me. Okay. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what you always tell a, a substitute or a replacement? Yeah, look, I'm pretty sure that won't be the case either. So uh, you, you, your seat will be uh, just kept warm but vacant when you return. Done. Well, in our post-Brucon and the Indies Week episode of Good Brews Week, this week we will be looking at uh, stories making news in the beer world. Experience It drops Beavertown. Uh, Bintani launches their signature malt. And we'll do a wrap-up, of course, of uh, Brucon and the Indies, which we might start with, Matt. Um, well done to you uh, and Megan for, um, for the, the stand. We were, for the first time ever, I think, Brews News was uh, an official part of the Trade Expo. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. It, it's one of those things we've, we've always been at Brucon or the uh, Craft Beer Industry Awards, but uh, we decided to take the podcast there. It, it, it's something that we've been trying, you know, getting out to gabs and different events and, and doing. But one of the things is when you're mobile, trying to get from one point in the gabs, uh, the, the great gabs venue to another can take longer than you've actually got before you, you know, you're you trying to get people and everyone wants to have a chat and it's not necessarily the person you've lined up to have a chat. So we decided to be static and had uh, a lot of fun. So it was great to see so many brewers um, at uh, Brewcon and particularly the number of people who came up and said, look, love the show, you know, love the, the, the way you split it. Thank you to everybody who listens and uh, who lets us know um, where you listen and how you listen and, and, and what you want to hear because that was a great part of being down at Brewcon. Yeah, and I guess last year, um, myself and James at uh, over in Adelaide um, did a few 
podcast recordings. Our good friends saved us a little bit of space on a, a table and chair at the front. So it's kind of like, I guess, a permanent extension of that. And I think it's, yeah, it, it's great that rather than us having to go around and, and track people down and hope they're, um, you know, in the right frame of mind and they've got to spare, we can actually arrange, you know, if they're walking, or either arrange it so they, you know, come in and the booth or you just you know just hook people in as they uh, as they go past oh look well, i didn't get half the people that i'd lined up in uh <laughs> having a two-hour conversation with terry farrandorf uh, took a bit of a carved a bit of a um you know, slice out of the day um but that's going to be fantastic it's going to be a great chat so listen to that one but then um yeah and i had some really good chats uh across the couple of days including Listen out for one that we did with uh, Scotty Hargraves, um, who was the host of a chat with Jason Prolt with... Will Tatchell. Will Tatchell, yes. Yeah, so, sorry, I was, I, was, I was trying to picture the way they were seated. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so that was a great chat. That no one on the, the Radio Brews News team, but we left a hop grower talking to two brewers, and it was a, a great little chat that uh, we'll be rolling out as well. So we got plenty of content. I, I just it, It's almost worked out well that you're going to be away, Prof, because we wouldn't have time to uh, fit it all in otherwise. No, it's good. And look, uh, if I can speak on behalf of uh, the beer diva, Kiralee Walthorn, uh, uh, who, along with myself, uh, co-hosted or co-emceed the uh, BrewCon, even had you arranged with with brewers can i tell you it's like herding cats you, yes. everyone knows that we, we, we had a brewcon 2018 had an app so you knew what time everything was starting and people were still wondering it, look it's just one of those sort of you, you you get a beer you get down to the trade expo um and look much has been made of, of just how far we've progressed uh from those early few um conferences the trade expo in and of itself was just was worth the visit just on its own. Um, and, and then, as I say, the, the conference as well, there was just a lot to take in uh, over the over the two days and, and well done to all involved. Yeah, and th- that was one of the things, like you walk into that trade expo and it was a really impressive, the amount of money that had been spent on the uh, layouts and it felt very professional, it looked expansive and professional. The one thing I've picked up a little bit is, you know, obviously it's – a sideline to the Brewers Conference. Everyone is there to go to the conference and hear the trade and the brewing uh, streams. But that's a big part of the day. And uh, I, I think the level of professionalism for the um, IBA was incredible um, and that the whole thing just sort of ran very, very well. But I think for from the exhibitor perspective trying to activate that space a little bit more because I've never been on the trade show on the trade floor for such a long time except I was a standholder this this time and there were great big expanses of time when there was no one really about and you look at the cost to be there um, both in terms of the stand costs the design costs and then the the, the cost of, of, of being there I think some of the um, stallholders are probably thinking, "Oh, is this is this worth my time when there's no one around to, to be there?" And I've, I've been sort of wondering how you could activate that space a little bit better. Obviously, during lunch, during the in between sessions, people are there. There's a brief period at the end of the uh, conference. Yeah, you get about three hours each uh, of, of the first afternoon. Obviously, the second afternoon, most people are, are wanting to bump out and head off and, and you know prep for the indies. 
uh, awards and that That's sort right. of thing. Um, but the other thing too that, that you may not have been aware of, because it's sort of, I guess, out of your eye line, was down on the floor in two separate areas. They had uh, a little a series of sponsored demonstrations, and the other one I think was called workshops. Yep. And I some saw of those were, yeah, were were little presentations, little half hour presentations that weren't able to be fitted into the the, the conference schedule. Um, but obviously of interest to the trade and to you know the the brewers and that sort of thing. So I think they have it. There's as much as you can do, as you say, given that it's it's subsidiary to, uh, to the conference itself. The only other option, I guess, is and I think from where the World Beer Cup does this, where they have like an overlap. So you have the uh, the conference um, on let's call it the Tuesday. And then on the Wednesday, the Trade Expo opens and there's the conference as well. But then on the Thursday, I think it's just the, the expo. So you, you kind of split it across. So you, you're asking people to, for an extra day, but you get, you're devoting one day to the to the Trade Expo, I guess. And that's always the challenge, trying to do that. Because again, you know, that brings in the other issue of brewers are so stretched for time these days and particularly like if you were a judge and you were there over that weekend and then you're there for the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday um, of BrewCon um, and then you know, there's the beer and barbecue festival. So just how long can, can you can you give to these things? So, but it was, it was just one of those things I noticed and I guess trying to resolve that is, is, is an issue because the trade show was an excellent part of BrewCon but if you start losing the exhibitors from that, then that falls away as well. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was I don't just... think that, there, were, there were plenty of exhibitors who missed out on a spot here, so I don't think that's a, an immediate problem. Um, and the other thing too, I, I look at a handful of breweries that I can think of where because I was I was stewarding, so I got to sort of see all of the judges. Now some of those judges then went home, but their brewery was still represented at, yep. at BrewCon and then and then at the awards as well. So I guess. If you take, you know, somebody from sales or, you know, a couple of your brewers and nominate, you know, one goes out to help as a steward and the other one is judging and then you would be looking at a canning line. So you might, you know, sort of book in some time to um, to, to go and meet some of the, the trade exhibitors. You kind of spread your, you know, it means you are bringing a few more people along, but you're getting value um, and maybe that's just an education process that the, the breweries need to realise. It's not just a case of you know sending the owner or the head brewer or you know the sales guy. Maybe it's you know you, you make a bit of a week of it and um, perhaps visit some accounts while you're in town and and all that sort of thing. So, mm. but we'll see. You know, onwards and upwards. As I say, at the moment, still improving, and and uh, they're pretty good at soliciting feedback. Um, and then um, at least they've you know they've got a base to work from then to say okay we're going to change this next year or we'll you know tweak this, tweak that. But uh, look, awesome event. A really, really valuable event to, to be at. And uh, congratulations to the IBA for doing that. I guess related because uh, we were on the same sort of footprint as the uh, the Bintani stand at uh, the Trade Expo. Um, but Bintani took the opportunity uh, at Brucon to launch the new Joe White Signature Malt range of products designed specifically for the Australian independent brewing market. It's probably fair to say that in the past, Joe White um, probably hasn't, uh, hasn't, hasn't been seen, I guess, as a, as a craft maltster. It's been more sort of, I guess, for, for the, particularly the larger scale, so the, what they call the bulker bags, which is, sort of, you know, anything from sort of, you know, three quarters of a tonne up to, you know, a tonne a bit, the, the great big, um, you know, base malt sort of bags. Um, and I think they've sniffed the wind and seen that actually we probably need to be a little bit more in touch with the. Um, and, and I'll point out that um, 
I don't think you were there. I uh, introduced Chris Worsey, who did the uh, whatever the opposite. Of, well, it's keynote, but it's like at the end of the of, sort of to close the conference um, under the heading of owning your independent. And one of the really striking facts that he highlighted to everyone was that whilst uh, you know we're two percent, roughly two and a half percent independent brewers that make up two and a half percent of the um, uh, the beer sales market, they're about eighty percent. Of the of the number of, of the total number of breweries, mm. so I think the, the the suppliers now are saying, okay, actually, yeah, look, as a group, you know, you got we probably need to have a bit more focus on you. So it's, it was great to see um, that rather than just sort of saying, yeah, fine, look, we sell malt, and look, if we've got enough left over, yeah, you guys can have some, um, but to actually be saying, no, no, you know, we we'll need to do it in twelve kilo bags because that's that's what that's what that market needs. Um, and the other thing we're going to do is we're going to source, you know, a uh, single source um, and then basically sort of get inside the grain and, and, and measure lots of different um, parameters and then say, OK, this particular malt, we need to do this with it um, and pretty much guaranteeing consistency from, from batch to batch, which is something that has probably been lacking in the past. Mate, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly right. Look, it, I, I'd not seen that session you're talking about, but I guess just to step back and tell people about Joe White is that uh, they are going out, I think they're choosing the best barley from a single producer um, each harvest, um, and they're analysing all of the, 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 the barleys that they've got access to, working out what the best one is, um, they're micro malting it to try and you know see how it's going to go. Work out which of the maltings they'll put it through, and developing a, a, a special um, signature craft malt. Um, so so that's what the signature malt is. But to pick up on what you were saying, I think it's incredibly exciting because one of the things that uh, I've picked up over the last couple of years, you know, the cryo malt um, brewers and growers sessions that they've been talking about, and you keep hearing that left to the big breweries that you know have different specifications than craft brewers and have different interests to craft brewers you do get towards commodity product and that happened to the hop industry and you know people like hop products australia you know acknowledge that if it was left to big breweries we probably wouldn't have a commodity hop industry in in the country which means we wouldn't have had a hop industry um and it's craft brewers that have reignited the growth of uh the hops and barley is exactly the same um to see the maltsters changing and it's been purely because of the rise of the small independent breweries and their requirements and you know it's also been the uh, boutique maltsters who have been uh, the small maltsters have been springing up and starting to take business and that does gradually start to shape the industry um so yeah no look it's, it's great to see joe white is putting malt out there for craft brewers and the other probably bigger picture thing is you know Hops have been the rock star. We've seen a little bit of uh, play around with yeast. It's really nice to see that malt is starting to come back as a ingredient that we're starting to see a focus on. Yeah, and I've got to say, uh, I, I'm sure the brewers get tons more view out of, um, out of those sessions than I do. But whenever I sit in on a, a you know a malt session, the stuff you learn as just as a layperson, you go, ah, oh, okay, like that absolutely makes sense. But I, I did not know that that was just a case of providing sugar for the yeast to turn into you know beer flavor and and bubbles and alcohol mm. um 
you know, I've learned lots about diastatic properties and I've learned all these different, uh, and again, um, be great to to be able to tap into the the stuff that Chris Worsey shared in terms of uh, and, and like you said with the hops thing there he, he had a, a graphic um, which was a graph so it had sort of you know um, I think it's free available nitrogen versus protein on on two axes um, and and having a look at you know where malt has got to because the brewers who are using lots of um, you know sugary adjuncts want a certain type of malt to do a certain type of thing. But it's not necessarily for everyone who's, you know, it's not necessarily the best malt to be using if you're using all malt. So he said, you know, we, we need to, you know, push this over here a little bit and come come down a little bit on the on on the the graph. He said, you guys in Australia, you're actually down here in the ideal spot for craft brewers, um, and we probably don't appreciate that. So yeah, as I always something to learn, but um, it's great to see malt being the hero. Oh, mate, that, yeah, I wish I'd gotten into that. I'll have to listen out for the uh, when the audio of these things are, are published afterwards. Yeah, so all IBM members, as well as all the delegates who attended, will be sent in the next couple of weeks or, or next month or so. They, they go through them all and sort of tidy them up in terms of audio and uh, editing and that sort of thing. Um, but you'll be given a, a password and access to the, to the website, so you'll be able to get audio files of all of those and you'll also be able to get um if there were any slide presentations you'll so when when you talk you know when you're listening to somebody and they're talking about or whatever it is you'll have access to those as well which is a really valuable resource so um well done to the iba for sort of uh going ahead and and doing that sort of thing absolutely Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. All right, so that's uh, the two Bs of, of our three Bs, uh, Brewcon, Bintani, and now we got into uh, Beavertown, which uh, this week, was it a surprise to you? I must admit, um, I spent some really good quality time with Logan Plant about three years ago out for um, Good Beer Week. Uh, and just got a real sense that, you know, and look, maybe it's not surprising, but I, I guess I, I kind of thought of him a little bit like Jasper Cuppage, like just a very genuine guy who was just all about the beer and and uh, and making the best quality beer that he can. So maybe it shouldn't surprise me that, you know, um, that they have gone into a partnership with, with Heineken. But uh, it seems to be one of those ones where, you know, when some get sold, it's where yeah, expected it, don't really care. Yep. But with others, there just seems to be a lot of hurt. Yeah, well, no, I, I guess... That... Yeah, that was a brewery that's grown very, very quickly. It was much loved. It had that sort of out there, edgy feel. And people celebrate that they're independent. I mean, I don't know Beavertown well enough to know whether they beat the we're independent drum or we're always going to stay. In in all of the wash-up, I remember there was um, somebody harked back to a tweet or something that Logan may have tweeted earlier when somebody else was taken over that sort of said, you know, why'd you sell out or, you know, uh, something along those lines. I, I, I do know that there was an interesting tweet from Boken Bailey or an interesting podcast uh, or an interesting um, 
blog post from Boken Bailey uh, recently dissecting you know, the anatomy of a pre-takeover clearing of the decks, um, pointing the finger very much at uh, Beaverton, and Beaverton issued a denial, um, and that was only a week or two before they, uh, that they announced the partial sale. Prof, ownership takeovers, are, it is what it is. You know, it's very hard to grow and with cash injections, and how do you get those cash injections? As you and I said when, um, when Little Creatures dropped, we said, you know, strap yourselves in because this ain't going to be the last one. So like, be, be prepared. This is, this is the way of the future. We've talked about Feral and the reason that they sold. You know, we caught up with uh, Mick Cameron at Pirate Life by accident um, at Brucon. Um, you know, you, you've got some people who bank finance, you've got some people who do all sorts of different ways, or, you know, we, we've seen Black Hops recently on the back of their champion small brewery, you know, have a capital raising by selling, you know, by private sale. Um, so there are all ways of, of doing it. But I, I guess the reason that this is news for Australian brews news was that there was a media release um, set that dropped Saturday night or Friday night actually it was just after I'd gotten back from the uh, from Brewcon yep saying that uh, experience uh, drops Beaver Town over independence experience it beverages is taking a stand when it comes to independence in brewing as a result of the recent 49 percent purchase of Beaverton UK by Heineken they've decided to cease distribution of the brand within the Australian market uh, Johnny Ladder talked about how important it was that this is a tough decision due to our love of the brand and our personal connections we've made, but I think it's important to show that when we say independence, we mean it and we stand by our words, um, which, fantastic, you know, well and good, um, good to see them taking the stand, although, and, and this was a Friday night and I had a couple of days, so I just published the media release with this one without digging in too deep. But there's a lot of people on the Facebook page commented. A lot of comments. There were a lot of comments, both... Uh, pro and against but as a lot of people said um well now that they're part of heineken um heineken has a distribution arm in australia that's Drinkworks um for for their craft brands and that does uh you know tuatara um monteith's and you know i think tiger beer bintang which is a favorite of ours prof um <laughs> and uh so so Drinkworks does those, and people people sort of say, well, you know, has experience taken a stand, or have they just known, well, they're going to lose it to Drinkworks, and Drinkworks is going to be distributing it, so they're just getting ahead. Well, it's an opportunity for experience it to, I guess, establish their, um, you know, their cred, if you like, as a, you know, we, we're stock independent, and, and then once something is an independent, um, you know, we're going to forego a financial advantage to stick to our principles. It's, it's a good opportunity in terms of, uh, I guess, marketing. That's exactly what it is. But is it a principled stand or is it just going, well, we're going to lose them anyway, so we're going to beat the drum as loudly as we can? And and, and that was what the discussion was on, uh, on Facebook. And it did get me thinking because Heineken bought Tuatara and... Tuatara was distributed by Experience It. So Experience It's not having a lot of luck um, with Heineken buying their brands. But back when uh, Heineken bought Tuatara, um, which had been nicely developed by uh, Experience It over here, I, I think they initially met with Drinkworks to find out what the deal was and were quite happy to distribute it until, you know, for, for six or seven months um, from memory. So, you know, you're going, well, is it a principled stand or are they, they just going, well, but we're going to lose them anyway, so we will uh, turn this into a, a bit of a chest-thumping exercise that, you know, is, is a little bit 
Oh, Cynical is probably not the right, not not the right word, but um, spinning, you know, spinning their decision when it was going to be taken off them anyway. Yeah, well, maybe they learned from the Tuatara experience that you know you need to you need to get in front of it. We don't need that criticism. Absolutely, and and, and that's it. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, it was just interesting little bit of news to drop at the end of the in the uh, beer conference. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all the news we've got time to cover this week. Uh, obviously, there'll be plenty coming up in beer as a conversation, so keep an eye out for that on all your regular podcast platforms. But um, Matt, we do have a letter of the week. We do have a letter of the week, uh, and this this was a quick uh, little letter considering that the beer as a conversation only dropped last night. We're recording this on a Wednesday because you fly out Thursday, which is when we would normally re- um, record. So we've only yep. just had um, our chat with Anton uh, Spitalak. Um, Go on. Go on. Uh, with who, sorry? Anton, Anton Spitalak. Come on, Lucy Zelich. Well, okay, well, how about you read the um, email and then we'll sort of talk about that because I wasn't quite sure what he was having a go at because I don't think there has been any discussion oh, you on... You haven't been across that? Has there been discussion? No, no, he was saying, P.S., well done with your Lucy Zelich-style pronunciation of Anton's last name. Don't take any notice of those Twitter trolls. But wasn't... So, but, but wasn't... Lucy um, Zelich was, 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 was pan because she... Butchering you know, names. Like, oh, over no well, for over pronouncing um, rather than just saying you know Australianizing them but no oh well I, I chatted to but him they, and he told me how to pronounce it so I think I, I, I think I pronounced it but anyway read I'm the sure read, you've done read, well. I, I, haven't, I haven't listened to it so yeah. I'm sure you did it well because it is a hard one it is a hard one to get around and particularly since I reckon we called him Anton Spitzelak for um, for quite a long time and it wasn't until I had him on a panel uh, as part of Stockade at um, the games a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago. But I thought, have we been pronouncing it? Because this is the first time I think I've seen it spelled. Like in in the past, it had always just been as part of probably a pre-record that we did, um, you know, thanking our sponsors sort of thing. Yeah, well, I've just you, know, you get something in your head and you just keep going over and over yeah. and over again, and so that's how valuable that, that's how important so anyway, sponsors are to over us. Over and over and over again. Read well, out the letter, Matt. Uh, well, I thought that was your job, Prof. Oh, okay. Hi, Matt slash Pete. So it was, it was you first. That's why I was offering it to you. But anyway, I really enjoyed the Beer is a Conversation interview this week with Anton, insert your surname here. I got this impression that contract brewing isn't as dirty a word as perhaps it was a few years ago, or at least it doesn't seem to get spoken about as much. Perhaps it's being accepted as a norm in today's craft beer landscape. At the risk of opening yet another debate about beer packaging, I think it's an interesting topic to explore further, as I believe many beer consumers would want to know where their beer is brewed. I would personally want to see it on the label, otherwise wouldn't care, and I know there are countless arguments out there for and against doing so. be interested to know whether Anton had has discussions with his clients as to whether they will disclose or not disclose on their label that their beer is contract brewed. Keen to get your thoughts and keep up the good work. And that's from um, Nick Lich. So thank you very much, Nick. And uh, not only is a Brews News Barblade winging its way swiftly to your location, but so is a six-pack. From our very good friends at Beer Cartel, but uh, yeah, so 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 taking the uh, thing first, yes, we've been really uh, slack at pronouncing Anton's name in the past, which is why I may have made sure of it when I actually interviewed him. Um, but yeah, no, he, he raises a good point. It was, it was a great chat. Anton's a really interesting guy to to to, to chat with, um, but I don't think Anton does run through that with. Um, his clients because basically I don't think you know it, it, it's their decision um, as to whether or not they put brewed at brew pack 
on the label. Yeah, yeah. He he can. I think as a as a contract brewer, I think you're probably responsible for. Uh, look, if it's coming out of our our brew house or whatever, then it's got a it's got a tick boxes in terms of um, you know the the various laws in terms of it's got the milliliter on it and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think yeah, I think it's up to the the beer company who's contract brewing at his you know getting the beer made by him. Um, to say, yeah, look, actually, can we, is it okay if we put, you know, brewed in wherever? Does it actually say, like, you know, um, brewed for ABC Brewhouse in Smeaton Grange or? No, and and that's one of the things. So, so that's the second thing. And I don't think it's, you know, Anton's business to tell his um, clients what they should or shouldn't put on the label in terms of, of brewing. That That's a sort of an industry decision or a, and a business decision. But the, the other thing is... Um, in terms of putting something on, and you know, personally, I'd I'd like to see when Young Henry's has such a strong presence in inner West Sydney, but then a lot of their package is coming out of Asahi in Victoria because they are so strongly identified to a region. And then you see all of these things, like 100% of our beer is solar powered, for example, which is true for everything that's coming out of their own brewery. But then just the, the, the practical realities of a brewery that's growing and doesn't have a canning line or, or, or whatever, they get a lot of beer made out of there. And I would like to see that on the label. There, there does seem to be some reluctance, and I would like to see exactly where it comes from. But that's, that's me. Um, I, I know a lot of people don't care, and the practical realities are you can... You know, we, we've spoken to brewers in the past where they're often changing their production or they might be just getting you know in the christmas rush getting one batch um an overflow batch out in december or november um from a, a contract brewery and they would have to completely redo their labels to get that on so it is a hard one but so long as all of your marketing communication is consistent with what your approach is i, I think that's ultimately the key as opposed to having the label saying it's contract brewed at x thing uh, look at, at the end of the day too uh, great resource, something like the Crafty Pint, or you know, you could flick us a uh, an email if you if you you know if uh, settling a debate at the pub, or um, you know if you don't ring us in your if you're in the bottle shop, don't you know ring us on our private number and say, look, I'm just in front of this thing. Is this a good one? Can I get this one or not? But there are plenty of ways of um, if the brewers aren't going to disclose it, there are there are plenty of other avenues to find out that sort of information if you really want to. I, I think since the Byron Bay case, most of them put it on. They you know, anyone that's contract brewing says you know sort of brewed at um, or you know under contract or under license for yeah yeah, yeah um, under license for. Uh, buy yeah yeah so so it, buy it, abc brewery or yeah under contract for or, or under contract for yeah so that let, let, lets you know that you know that, that they don't entirely control their um their, their own distribution and you know the, that's enough because it, as you and i know prof i don't think if it's from this brewery or this brewery necessarily matters it, it certainly doesn't matter to the to the quality of the beer most often because you know it, it, it's a production facility, and you, you can make the beer just about anywhere. Um, and you know, branding takes in so much more than just those things. Yeah, great letter, um, letter of the week. And uh, listeners, um, if you've got your own thoughts about, does it matter to you where your beer is brewed? Does it matter whether it's on the label or not? Um, you know, if things like independence. Um, is declared um, please let us know you can email us at producer at bruisenews.com.au and you'll at the very least for your time and trouble 
get a bar blade, um, but you may be just like Nick and get a, a six pack from our good friends at Beer Cartel. That's it. And it, the other thing is, it is great to see all of the shout outs that we're getting on social media from people whose uh, six packs are turning up for them to enjoy for their letters of the week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good to see. And uh, yeah, look, it's, it's nice to know that, uh, you know, we're making people happy as well as uh, keeping them informed. Keeping them informed. Very important. And listeners, look, we do ask, we haven't had a review on iTunes for some time. I'm not sure why that is, but we are getting a bump in uh, emails to us. But if you do like the show, if you're getting it for free, um, you can, you know, do us a solid by, you know, just giving us a shout out on Facebook or uh, LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter, whichever is your flavor of social media and just, you know, comment on the fact that you listen to uh, Radio Brews News or Beer is a Conversation and to help other people find it because, uh, you know, if, if, if you like it, who knows, other people might like it as well. Exactly. And on that note, uh, Matt, bon voyage. I shall, uh, I'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks. Safe travels, Prof. Have you got look everything... Out, look out for the ship for us. I, I, I will. That? Have you got everything squared away with uh, President Trump? You know that he's going to welcome you with open arms and uh, not separate you and Al, Al in uh, separate camps? I've been practicing my Spanish just in case. You know, I'm just going to pretend. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to go that far south. But uh, no, no, very much looking forward to it. And I'll, um, uh, I'm sure I'll, you know, post a couple of updates of uh, you know great beers I'm having and you know I'm at an airport, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Uh, well, safe travels <laughs> and, lots, and, uh, and lots of beer selfies. You know me. And uh, but it was really great to uh, sit back and uh, it was a great chat um, that we had with Zoe last week. Uh, it was really good that the three of us could be together. Yeah, no, it was good because we've done so many virtual ones with, you know, three of us in different states um, over the Skype machine. Um, yeah, it is very nice when you've got the, the three-pronged um, attack sort of thing to, to all be in the same space. Mm. It's, a, it, it's a lot more enjoyable, a lot more sociable, much like beer itself. Exactly, Prof. Well, uh, safe travels. See you when you get back. Thanks, mate. And on that note, thanks very much, listeners, and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Good Brewers Week. And we're out.